So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you wanna learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. I'm your host, Aaron LeBauer, and today my special guest is Alan Ling. Alan is more than just a special guest. He is part of the reason I'm standing here speaking to you. Um, Alan was... Uh, is one of my good friends, but he was a clinical, one of my clinical instructors. We had a six month, six month clinical rotation at Elon. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know where the hell I'm going, but I'm not driving two hours away to a clinic I don't believe in. And uh, I had met Alan prior to that and uh, ended up working with him at uh, Physical Therapy Innovations in El Cerrito for six months. And uh, Alan has uh, been a huge inspiration to me. If you've read my book, The Cash BT Blueprint, the book, he was just reminding me there's like a whole like page and a half uh, about some of my experience with him in there. So, um, Alan, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate you being here. Hey, Aaron, it's great to be here. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. So <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, do you remember when we first met? Yes, we were at one of the uh, APTA functions in a private practice mm -hmm. and uh, you were just you were kind of in the background, but you're so tall, you can't miss, <laughs> I couldn't miss you. And we were just talking away and then yeah. and we just got together and you were saying, hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm looking for an affiliation. And I go, hey, you, you should come and hang out with us. And you made it happen. We actually contacted the school and we, right. I don't think you were, we worked, I don't think you did most of the groundwork, but we were able to get you over to uh, California. And yeah. I think, the schools, in my opinion, should work with the students on where they want to go, not try to tell, dictate everywhere, every place they're going to. Yeah, it was a great was, fit. Yeah, it was a great fit. Ours was kind of dictatorial. It was like, you can have these four things, but if you create something, it's like, you can't create, like, I even created one that was local in Greensboro, and they're like, but you can't do that. That's not fair. I'm like, well, you said I can do it. I know people at the hospital. You know, anyways, but I remember we were at, I was at PPS and I was a student and I can't remember the topic, but it was something about healthcare and I'm sure it was in, of interest to me. And I was like, uh, asking questions. Yeah, you like, were. <laughs> I was like, you can't mean that because that's not how it really is. Um, and I think you came up to me at the end and we just, yeah. we hit it off and, uh, you were like, you should come, uh, work for me and I'll or work with us as a student on rotation. I was like, yeah, but I live in North Carolina and I own a house and I'm married and you know, all these things. And you were like, yeah, but you should still do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was like, I didn't use any, I used my Ben Kenobi powers, not my Darth Vader ones. On you. <laughs> I, know. I know, but it was, it was great. I think, um, it was really, uh, it was one of those things that it was really hard for Andra and I, and I don't know if you, I'm sure you know this cause you're so intuitive, but it was really hard for us. And she stayed in Greensboro. We had a dog and a business and I went to California and looking back, she was like, well, I should have come with you. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, it was really difficult, but it was the thing that I chose was the best fit for me and the best long-term fit for me, rather than just something like my other option was to drive two and a half hours, uh, to somewhere in the clinic, which is, it would just be a six months of hell probably. And they, even their mission on the, 
on their website was something that's just not Aaron LaBelle. You know, it's just completely different to me um, for a lot of reasons. So I'm glad I, I found you and ran into you, and I, I thank you for me having too. it. The reason I was, another shout out to one of my other clinical instructors, um, uh, Bob from uh, Atlanta Sports Medicine, uh, was the one that got me to uh, PPS, and that's why I was there in that room with you. So, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, I don't know. We were meant to hang out. It's been too long, and I haven't hung out with you in a long time. So I just wanted. But we had you come back and teach. You. you had we had you come back and yep. teach for us one time. Yeah, remember? that was a lot of. And that was great. No, yeah. it's just good yeah. to it's good to continue the professional uh, collaboration. And yeah. uh, I, I, you know, I was about to kind of almost retire when, but 2020 hit, <laughs> and now it's like, ah, uh, you know, I think I'm gonna have to do this for a little longer. Not for financial reasons either, because. Uh, you know, right now, and you know this, we need leadership. Yeah, we need yeah. we need to lead out of this out of this pandemic, all of us. And uh, I have responsibility to twenty people who are you know at my practice. And you know what I found, and you you will probably also see what's going on is that people are looking for leadership, mm -hmm. and sometimes you're not they're not going to follow, and it's okay. But if you're going to be working at PTI, you have to follow what I'm doing, and I'm open to feedback, just like you are. But if people just don't believe, they you know they can go someplace else, right. and that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to circle the wagons, and and only the true believers. And we're not talking about a cult, but the true believers have to kind of group together and help each other. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate what you're doing. Is you you created this whole uh, culture and environment of of service to patients first, and I think that's that should be the only model we ever should have had in this country. But it's been capitalized, and and you know we have to live with it and try to work with it. But 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 please go on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm starting to go on my soapbox. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> I, think, um, I mean, it brings up a lot of questions, and you know the one thing I want to share before I get into asking some questions is that you're the one of the pretty much the first or only people that believe that I could you know start a business, uh, cash-based practice as a physical therapist. And so one, there's thank you for that. But two, I want everyone to know like. Basically, Alan was like, you're not going to treat a full caseload because I know you know how to treat patients. You're going to hang out with me and learn the business of physical therapy. And the project they have for you is to create a business plan, you know, and I created a business, uh, a business plan and presented it to you. And you're like, totally sounds plausible. It's going to And work. you were so nervous. You were so <laughs> nervous. Like, oh, what have we been together six months? Why are you nervous showing this to me? And it turned out, I think, I think you worked so hard at it. You didn't want to have me shoot it down. And I said, yeah. dude, it works. It's going to be awesome, and you know, look, look at you. You, you've, you've also kind of have a hybrid model of consulting, and so you didn't put all your eggs in one basket. And I thought that was you. That was your thing because you didn't talk to me about the hybrid model. That you came about that on your own accord. Yeah, that that came up after basically after a few years, people started asking me, Aaron, can you help me? You know, can you help me with this? And I was like, yeah. And then someone was like, hey, can I, what do I owe you? And I was like, what do you owe me? A million dollars. I know, a million dollars. <laughs> and, and that was the day, like one of the days the light bulb went on. I was like, oh, other people, more than just five other people want to do this. People are actually serious. Um, but it was until I really met you um, and went through it. Everyone told me, yeah, it's not really possible. No one's going to pay more than a copay for PT. And I mean, you know, there's, there's a, it's a, it's a different mindset. There's a different structure. Um, I think totally different for, structure. There's room for everyone. I mean, everyone needs it, but I, I do still believe whether it's insurance or not, um, people are going to pay for what they value. And, um, you know, I mean, I think 
what we did at your clinic was high value. I mean, it's and, and the way that you lead your team and, and treat patients. I mean, you know, I think there was the one thing that sticks out in my mind. I, I know you remember this is that day that we were treating the woman who had cancer, but she didn't know. Oh, it. yeah. Oh, God, that was that was what I'm glad you were there. Yeah. Just, you know, and how we handled it. Well, I don't know. You remember? I could. I remember I that was today. Like, How are you going to handle this? But it was in her note from the physician, and you assumed she already knew. She knew. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember that moment. You were standing either. You're standing either. You were standing behind me, and I said, "Well, you know, your diagnosis of cancer. You know, you're, it's why you're having some pain." She goes, "My cancer came back." Yeah. And it's like <laughs> you looked at me, and I looked at you like, "Oh boy!" And she goes. Then she burst out in tears. She goes, what am I going to do? I'm, I have a vacation, you know, uh, next week. I'm going to go to Mexico and drink. And I go, I put my hand on her and I said, I'll tell you what, you can drink as much as you want now because it's not going to matter. And then she, we all started laughing. She started, she went from crying to laughing. And I go, I guess she goes, yeah, I guess that's the way it is. I said, yep. And then I went and called her doctor. She goes, did she, you didn't tell her that? <laughs> she had cancer her cancer came back and and then it it turned out later on it was it was actually the best you know just to be able to be human for a second mm -hmm. yeah and it wasn't trying to you know make light of it but it was being real and at that moment we just have to be real with people yeah. and you know the horror of the whole thing and it and she died you know shortly like within like a month or two after that yeah. but i think well, she drank a lot too maybe yeah. which is good you, had, <laughs> and, well, you are also like re related your story to oh yeah her as well and i don't remember that answer. part of it but yeah, yeah. i remember that moment. Like, oh wow i like i don't have that experience to connect with her at this moment but you had um you had like a, a gastrointestinal stomach right? stromal tumor yeah i had a <sighs> I, I can't show the picture on here, but anyway. Like teeth and hair and all those things? Yeah, I had like a little little hands and the tail. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I literally burst out a little stomach burster versus a chest burster. But I, I was actually, um, when you saw me, it was like 2007, but it had only been two years yeah. since I was uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer. And basically, I was asymptomatic and in remission at the time that we met. Mm -hmm. And uh, here I am, and now it's been, you know, freaking 16 years, and I'm still here. Yeah. So, um, again, cancer is not a death sentence. You know, you, you, you still have, everybody still has a chance. And now with immunotherapy, the new therapies coming out, you even have a better chance. Even if you're stage four, they can reverse it. Wow. So I really highly recommend anybody go to, go to one of your high-end uh, medical centers, whether it's Mayo or Stanford or UC San Francisco, get the immunotherapy if you have cancer because uh don't muck around with the chemo the chemo it's it's it you know it's a race against time what kills your good cells or what kills your bad cells which ones comes first yeah. but the immunotherapy seems to be really the key to everything now so yeah. advances the medicine right that's yeah, like the, like our uh, wonderful vaccine that's coming out i know <laughs> it is it's crazy and i mean i even remember like a few years ago i had a patient who had a hip surgery and I was like, I was going in on Tuesday and I went in, I was like, all right, I'll go before lunch on Wednesday. It's like, great. You know, I'd seen him for a long time, helped him, but he had like a vascular necrosis from a fracture when he was in his twenties, mm -hmm. you know, had to get it when he was 30. I went in at like 10 30 AM. He was already discharged. I was like, wait a minute. I, was, I mean, six years earlier at PT school, you didn't get discharged that quickly from like a hip replacement. And those things just move so fast. It's crazy. Everything it's is said, yeah. Anterior, I, I hardly ever see anybody with an anterior hip uh, yeah. procedure now. Uh, they, they just basically go home and then they're, they don't see me. Now they see me for something unrelated to 
the hip because it was so good they feel all their other pain <laughs> um i got so i got a couple questions for you that i think yes, sir. um will be well, there's something that i think a lot of people are gonna get some huge value from now that they know a little bit more about you but you mentioned this about you know covid and leadership and but even before covid like you're an incredible leader and i think there was one oh, quality thanks, about you yeah i mean there's one quality about you that people like there's one part that's like people like don't believe you because it's like well this is too good to be true it's almost like that I've, I've experienced this with you myself standing next to you it's like people like alan's like so giving but there's something about this that works for the right people um that you know we've had this conversation that people are like but wait a minute no 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 that's like it's almost like it's is he real is he real um but there's that's i think that's part of the, your leadership style um what is it about like i think there was the term leadership came up to me a few years ago and i was like no, I mean, there's a team captain, you know, like, how do you be a leader as a boss versus a leader of your peers? And I think there's a difference in there. Can you shed some light on like, what are some of the things that you do say, do with your employees or how you, you know, communicate that um, help you uh, kind of lead all 20 of your employees through the pandemic and, you know, some of the other things that you've experienced? Well, uh, part of it is being, uh, using appropriate humor. I use a lot of inappropriate humor, but if you're going to be a leader, you better use some appropriate humor. And um, in, the, in the face of, uh, you know, something looking really, really grim, it's important to keep everybody calm and, you know, uh, make sure that you're not blowing smoke up anybody's, you know, rectum mm -hmm. and let people know what, what your plans are. What, do you, what, are you, what are you planning next? People need to know what's the next, what do we do next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And I think if you can kind of help write the future and and be accurate, by the way, I was reading a hundred articles a night trying to figure out and, and curate what was going to be happening. And everything I predicted, almost actually everything I predicted had come true, but I had to pick the right articles. Right. And so um, I also said, if we do, the vaccine may not come for two years, but if it comes earlier, then maybe by spring of 2022 it'll be over and that's what's happening is if as long as everyone supposedly gets all the vaccine by 2022 we will have more control over everything that's going on and so i had predicted and some of my colleagues who are actually paying attention remembered that they said you actually predicted everything that was going to happen and that is how you get leadership people to follow is that you're you're accurate in your vision of the future so when you talk about leadership, part of it is you've got to research everything and make sure that what you, comes out of your mouth is going to be what is actually happening. And then people follow the vision, right? Because you, you, you seem to have some foresight. But the problem with our leadership now is everything that's coming out of everybody's mouth, it keeps changing because we don't have scientists in charge of leading. Mm. You know, my background is uh, bacteriology or microbiology and immunology was my undergrad degree and on top of now you know, being a PT, that's almost the best of two worlds when it comes down to leading physical therapists out of this thing. Um, did you know we have like 12 IQ air purifiers? Those are big, huge honking purifiers in our clinic. Wow. We got those for smoke because all the wildfires and it turns out they actually filter out COVID particles. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we have 12 of them in our clinic. We have not had one infection related to our clinic going to patients or employees. Mm -hmm. That's an extra layer on top of just double masking. Yeah. So we've been very, very fortunate um, to have way 
way, way ahead before everybody else starting to do all these things. And I think, again, people have to either appreciate it or they think I'm a wacko. Right. All right. And if was they think I'm like a wacko, a, that's fine. <laughs> was there like a point at which you were like, all right, I know, you already had the air filters, right? We had air filters, because, because uh, but, but yeah, with the wildfires, we had them about probably, you know, over two and a half years ago. We had like three of them. Yeah. 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 So was this like something that you were like, we should do this? Or was there some like other information organization saying, hey, this is what we recommend you do? That was that was a Ling thing. There was no, I'm not following the CDC guidelines. I have to go beyond what CDC does. CDC just sent our kids back to school unvaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I had an employee who no longer is my employee now telling me I should follow CDC guidelines. And I'm thinking, these are the people who told us who didn't, we didn't need to wear masks. I said, I don't not following their, I have to make my own guidelines and I'm making my own guidelines right now because, and that's what leadership is. Yeah. Doing all the right things when people are telling you all sorts of other things to do, you have to make the call. It, it, pretty much we're all on our own. This is, you know, we don't realize, but we're in a, we're in a World War III. We're, this is a, this is our World War III. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do you communicate that effectively to people? Like, is there a way where you're, is, is there, are you emailing them? Are you meeting with the group, the team every week? How do you communicate it to them in a way that they understand it without them overreacting or like misunderstanding? Is there some things that you would do? I think everybody has their own filter and we do have monthly meetings in my management. I have a management team of, you know, two of our, uh, uh, people who run the business side, you know, uh, my ma office manager, my finance officer, and then two other clinic managers, uh, Lee Yek and Jeremiah Huey, we meet as a group. And then I kind of voice to them what's going on with every single profanity <laughs> I could throw out. Um, but what happens, we have to be honest about what's happening. And so, you know, there's the monthly meetings, which are more curated information followed by the weekly meetings with the management team. And of course, if you have a smaller team, meet with them weekly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's great. You, I remember one of the first things that we did when uh, I came to work there was the four fatal flaws of leaders, right? Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, God. Do you remember what mine was? I can't remember what all four of them are, but I remember what mine is. Do you remember? I don't remember what yours was. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was wanting to be approved, like the approval or oh, like, wanting to be liked too much. Well, that was the liked. same as me. Yeah, we had the same problem. Yeah, we want to be yeah. liked, afraid yeah. of not being liked, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I saw that and I was like, no way. <laughs> but over the last few years, I've, I've seen it and seen how that affects me and my judgment and not my judgment, bad judgment. I, I have had bad judgment. I mean, I put a, a paper clip in the outlet and computer lab in uh, ninth grade. That was bad judgment. <laughs> but, but you know and like the, and how do i you know like what do i decide to do and I, i've seen that come around so i i just thought that was interesting do you remember what the other three ones were oh gosh that's been I so just, long now um, years since you gave it like, i know it's like that's that, that static has passed <laughs> but i do re i do remember something where it's about um maybe something that has to do with being too strict yeah and then not strict enough and there's some other thing where being some lack of information, something yeah. like that. Me, I think those those things to me come to mind when people are not good leaders is, you know, they don't they don't have the information. They're overpowering their employees, not listening mm -hmm. and then not and then being overwhelmed with 
too much input and and then and, and again maybe that's being trying that's kind of morphing into what trying to be liked too much right yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's like when you when you're afraid of what people are going to think then you don't always tell them the truth you know i have learned that i always tell the truth at work Mm -hmm. And um, people, I said, if you have a question, just come right up to me. I will tell you what I'm thinking at that time. And I found that some people can handle it and some people can't. Because yeah. a lot of people do not want to know the truth because it's painful. Yeah. It's scary. And then, then you have to temper what you say because you don't want to freak people out. Um, and that's another thing with the pandemic issue. We had, a, we had one staff member, only one, he was having dinner indoors with a bunch of people from another workplace that he did not know and he got a breakout through breakthrough infection mm -hmm. didn't happen from work he came back to work thank god we had the air purifiers he didn't get anybody else sick he had to be out for 10 days per the per the guidelines right he came back and he started telling some patients and what do you think the patients were doing oh. freaking out but he was fine because they're not educated. People don't know what's going on. And even if they do know what's going on, they still don't trust what's going on, right? <laughs> so I spent an hour talking to one of the guys who's freaking out because it turned out he was flying home to his parents the next day and he did not want to bring it to him. And so I said, look, there's no guarantee that this is, you're not going to get an infection, but you've, we got the air purifiers there. He is not transmissible when he came back. So the whole point is we did everything we could to keep you safe. I'm sorry, you know, you have to actually know about it, but had he not known about it, what do you think would have happened? Nothing. Turned out he was fine. He was fine. Everyone's fine. We just, and I, I was able to tell him just being real. I said, I, there's so much going on. We cannot keep track of what to do, when to tell patients, if we even need to tell them. And it turns out you don't need to tell anybody if you don't have to, if there's not, they're not at risk. Right. It's, so. one of those, it's like one of those ethical dilemmas do I tell people just because they feel like they need to know but if you do then they're freaking out and like did they actually need to know that and like they didn't need to know you know so but that's the other thing about lying or just <laughs> telling I'm them what they need to know getting the truth right well yeah, are I you mean, hiding truth or are you just not telling them something because it really is not doesn't really matter anyway right. Like telling everybody they're going to die someday is not necessary for therapeutic help. You don't need to know. <laughs> you know, and I do think there's a, an aspect of that where it's like, am I going to tell people something different because of how they might perceive me versus, but when I'm a leader, I need to tell them, you know, if, I, if someone doesn't trust me or believe in our mission, like they shouldn't be on our team, you know, so I don't need to hide what I'm thinking. But sometimes what I'm thinking and the way it comes out isn't always what they need to hear either. Yeah, right? uh, leadership um, has a lot to do with just, and I used to have, I, I, my, I, my mouth would just spout all sorts of things coming out. And now I realize with age and some more wisdom that I do have to edit what I have to say, but not to the point where it comes out disingenuous yeah. or, you know, or, or contrived. I, I'm still very real about what I have to say but now I realize that, you know, there's, there's how you do the delivery is super important. And, um, you know, at one time I got, of course, very upset with my staff because half the air purifiers were not on. They were, someone literally pulled out the plug, then they just shut it off. And I go, I'm sorry, 
but is that noise bothering you? Because you can always hear the noise of the ventilation <laughs> going in your mouth. Maybe if you're conscious enough, I said, turn those damn things on. And I almost threw one of those Tom Cruise tantrums. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I don't believe what you guys, I just can't, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars doing this. We're the only ones that are doing this. I know it sounds crazy, but this is going to keep you safe and I need these things on. And then it's been on ever since. But sometimes that's another thing about leadership. Go ahead and throw a fit. Fear is good. <laughs> if it's going to help everybody, throw some fear in there. I, actually, I talked to Steve Jobs. Um, this is, I used to work at Pixar as one of their physical therapists, as you know. And uh, Steve Jobs told me, make everybody afraid a little bit. Yeah. And this is while I was standing next to the urinal at Pixar. <laughs> I was like, I don't. I said, my staff doesn't listen to me. He goes, you got to make them afraid a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that was your urinal uh, education. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great pearl of wisdom. So, how do you like? What are some of the things that you do to motivate your staff or retain people? Like, because they know that they've got they can get jobs anywhere, and it's not cheap a, to live a, in the Bay Area. Appropriate monetary rewards, mm -hmm. and whether it be the the temper eight to 10% raise that, you know, across the board that you give everybody, uh, or it's the bonuses that you give people. Um, it, it, you, you have to reward appropriately. Yeah. You can't just reward someone for just showing up and doing the, just their bare minimum job. It has to be something extraordinary. Like now we reward our, um, our CIs. We, yeah. we pay them clinical instruction bonuses because they have to take extra time to do all the, the teaching. So now they get, they get pretty nice bonuses too for doing that now. Yeah. So that's like extra. A couple hundred bucks or like we're talking Oh about no, it's like, it's like uh, almost uh, uh, $250 a week. Wow. I know. So they're motivated to do a better job. And oh yeah, we have all these little rules like, okay, if you fire your student, that's the end of your bonus. <laughs> That you don't get keep getting bonuses if you fire your students, which means that you have to train up the student. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that we have um, is is that they have to be productive within like week three. That means they have to have patients on their schedule and cranking. Yeah. So there was there was some weird stuff going on where some of our our residents were being our students were being coddled, and I said, "What are you doing? If you are raising your own child, they would not be walking till they're five. I said, you guys have to stop. And that was one of my leadership kind of things coming up. What are you doing? And so it's like, you know, here, I, then I realized, oh, I'm the old guy. Right. Because my kids are 30 and 28. I am the old guy now. That's <laughs> like, no wonder they're scared of me. No wonder I come across kind of harsh sometimes. <laughs> but you do it with a smile and a laugh and it works. You're oh, I do. I do. I was like, what are you doing? Your kid will not be walking. Your kid will be yeah. like, emotionally uh, you know uh, disabled if you don't start start doing start training them up and building some confidence yeah. and yes yeah, so confidence instilling confidence in my staff that's part of leadership too that's great you mentioned like giving them raises like how do you keep giving people raises and how do you pay them what they uh, it comes out of my butt can enough? i say that on your podcast yeah. it literally comes out of my butt yeah, my butt but my butt to their mouth insurance <laughs> i know but insurance is like decreasing right um, no, you can find ways to decrease your costs. Yeah. We already have, own all our own equipment. We just have to maintain okay. and fix them. Um, yes, everything keeps going up. I mean, like I said, our student program helps keep us in business yeah. now because yeah. we, you know, we don't pay the students full salaries and benefits and everything. So that's the only thing that probably keeps us in 
the doors open. Mm -hmm. um, so our student program, we need at least two or three students, probably almost 11 months out of the year. Yeah. Um, so it has become the most important thing is to train our uh, clinicians to be great clinical instructors and for whoever's coming through our clinic to be good enough to work at our clinic as well. Yeah. Since you've been there, Aaron, I'm only I'm down to basically almost one clinic site right now. Uh -huh. But in that clinic site, we have 14 clinicians working. Wow. 14. I think when you were there, we might have had seven or eight. Yeah. So yeah. now everything's people on the porch or somewhere else or oh, everywhere. No, we have we have to build. We built an outdoor waiting room. Oh, we wow. have to build an outdoor waiting room in the parking lot. We have valet parking because there's no parking. Yeah. So there's all the expenses keep going out and, you know, my staff keep wondering how it works. But, you know, as you knew back then I had real estate. So I, you know, I, I don't have as much real estate now. I'm selling everything off, mm -hmm. but you know, I'm at, I'm at the tail end of where of wealth building, you know, I don't have to accumulate more wealth. What I need to accumulate more is more sanity. Mm -hmm. Right. So <laughs> that's what's happening now. That's awesome. So by leveraging the, you know, the real estate of owning your location, owning a lot of the equipment that you have, um, leveraging uh, students and like you're not, I mean, I, when I was there, I got paid a stipend. So are you still paying your students nope. a stipend? We can't, we can't afford it now. Yeah. So it all goes to the staff because guess what? The students come and go. Yeah. We have very, very, very few of them actually stay. So it's like if out of every 10 that we do, we, we might be able to recruit one, might. Yeah. So, you know, we could do 20 students a year and get one of them to sign on. And the one that signed on is very the rare person who actually has roots in the Bay Area. They mm -hmm. actually want to live there. Uh, and when they found out the housing is beyond reach, they may move. Yeah, and so we have get me to stay. I couldn't even get you to stay. So, you know, and by the way, if you had bought in the Bay Area back then, you're, you would have to be sitting on a bank. Your house would be a, your bank. That would be your retirement. I know. <laughs> and I would have been barely able to afford it, too. Oh, you, know, you would have been able to make it. You know, would have been able to happen. You know, we've yeah. we've gone through some interesting patches, but um, it's always a, the, the whole thing about reinventing, yeah. reinventing yourself. Right. Yeah. So, um, and as you know, I'm doing pretty, I'm doing pretty well considering I'm a novice in the entertainment industry. Yeah. yeah. And we're, awesome. we're doing, I, I was going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, so tell yeah, us, so like, I, what is it like you, you're not only owning a clinic, but you've, uh, you've written a couple comic books and right. I have a comic book publishing music. company. Mm -hmm. And then we ha I have an agent now who's going to try to uh, pitch a couple of our intellectual properties down to studios. And that's an interesting process. Uh, and then I'm in the process of getting another agent because my agent's very picky about what he wants to pitch. Right. But there's other stuff that I have that could be pitchable to somebody else who says, oh, this is cool. I like this yeah. stuff too. So it's, it's always good to have diversity. Like you have diversity in your practice model. Mm -hmm. And so it's nothing wrong with having a bigger diversity in your life model on how you want to do things. Yeah, so that's awesome. yeah. how do you build yourself like time to go record uh and uh like did you draw the comics or that's someone that's uh -huh. an artist yeah. delegation so okay. i do the storyboards so i sketch out what mm -hmm. i want the panels to look like close-up shots far yeah. shots put this in the background this all, all this stuff give them reference photos and the artists kind of go to work yeah. so i'm doing i've i've done up to like five i'm doing like five projects at the same time right wow. now so we have all the plates spinning there and um, that keeps my brain happy. And then uh, treating patients, of course, grounds me. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really great. After 31, 30, geez, 33 years now of being a physical therapist, it's almost like, it's like so easy to get people better, you know, and just knowing what path to put them on. And, yeah. and I have great, great, great uh, uh, residents. There are, let me tell you, the, the PT students coming out now, I, they're just extremely good. So, oh, yeah. That's yeah. great. You, um, so you said basically you've got time to do all this that most people are like, oh, okay. how could you do all that? Because you delegate. So you're delegating stuff uh, like drawing and the comics, but also um, work at the clinic too, right? Everything, everything has to come and be an extension of yourself. And the hardest part, as you know, is to find the first employee yeah. to do that. And then you can pull away a little bit and do some more stuff. And then adding on and adding on and adding, it's almost like you have to grow to become a fat amoeba and then cut yourself in half and then do the other thing. But that's what I did for the first 10 years, just work 80 hours a week, yeah. hire somebody, cut down to 40, work 80 hours a week. Then I kept doing that. And it was really great at, you know, that worked when you're younger, mm -hmm. but not when you're older. Yeah. And that's awesome. You, I, you've mentioned this to me before. And I think it fits in right here. At some point you told me, Aaron, I've really never had to fire anyone. They just, I could just convince them to quit. Yeah. Can you oh, you, you want to know about that? Yeah. Because <laughs> I just did that. A little bit more about that. Like, instead of just like, hey, you're fired, like, what is the conversation like? Or what is it you say to people that gets them to realize that, yeah, they, they're not a good fit for you and um, your, your business? Okay. Because I just did that. And I hope, I hope he'll probably be listening to this podcast or not because yeah. he doesn't really, he doesn't believe in, he doesn't believe in what I'm doing. So what okay. was like, like, and I know like we could, you, we could go back and talk about someone 10 years ago, but it's like, I what's get, the conversation like? Is it like, hey, it sounds like you're not, you know, like this isn't the right place for you or it sounds, you know, it seems like you're not happy here. You know, what versus like your perform your performance isn't hitting these metrics. I think, we're you know, about. once, once, once the mojo is gone and the love affair is over between two people, then, you know, <clears throat> if the person shows signs of malcontent, it's it's time to go. You should always be happy to go to work. Mm -hmm. You should always be going and and having fun at work. It should never feel like you have to tiptoe around work. If you have to tiptoe around work, if I have to go in and feel like I have to tiptoe around my own clinic, yeah. there's something wrong. And I think for anybody who's out there listening to this podcast, if you're not comfortable going to work and having to be in there eight hours, nine hours, ten hours a day, you you're, you're not helping anybody. They're not helping anyone. Their patients are going to, you know, suffer. They don't get the best of you. It's just like a marriage. If you're not in a good marriage, you know, you could try to hang in there as long as you can, but ultimately, you got to get out. It's just, it's just better for people. You have to know when to quit and cut your losses. Yeah. So the magic, the magic word. See, that's how do, you, how do you get someone to leave your practice peacefully and without too much damage? Um, what the the old-fashioned way is to terminate people uh, and just let them know, hey, here's a severance package. Um, and you know, I, I really appreciate what you've done, but we've got to go in a different direction now. That's one way to say it. that's cliche. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, the the two times that I did it, one time I was pretty harsh because it was really obvious the guy was not. He just was losing it. I just told him, look, um, you can either resign in two weeks, or I can fire you, but I'll leave it up to you to decide how you want to do that. Mm. So he resigned. That was real simple. That was don't give him too many choices. The other one was um, I just basically 
we we had it we had an off-the-record heart-to-heart talk and i could do that with this particular employee because i felt that we had a good friendship i don't know how the friendship's going to go now whether he'll never talk to me again or whatever but i realized he did not agree with how i was managing the practice Mm -hmm. everybody else seemed to be okay with it but maybe i'm delusional who knows but when I told my management team about what he had said about everything, they were so angry. He got, one of them said, he does not speak for me. Because yeah. he said that everybody feel, use the word, everyone feels the same way that I do. And I looked at him and I go, really? Have you talked to everyone? <laughs> and I know he doesn't talk to two thirds of the staff. Mm-hmm. So it was weird that when someone gets to that point where they're making up their own story and they're you know trying to create a reason why they're gonna leave, they, you know, yeah, so I, I use this I use this line. Don't and everybody you don't have to use this line. I said, look, this place is not a prison. The door is open. You can leave anytime you want. If this organization isn't enough for you, I'm doing everything I already can. But if it's still not enough, you can go. Yeah. I did not add that I can stay. Right. But he ain't gonna get me to go, right? right. So, you know, and so the, he did the right thing. He left peacefully. There was no there was no fighting at the end it was just real nice yeah yeah and in the right. end yeah you just don't want to have a lot of drama at the end you just want to have some nice see you later i gave him a hug i said thanks a lot you know gave him his last check done yeah it's i mean it's one of the hardest things i've had to do <laughs> yeah like, it, you know it is this. i didn't get you're, into this i got into to help people not to fire them you know well you're, you're but you're <laughs> but you're breaking up with somebody it's a breakup too right Right. And maybe, you know, maybe six months, maybe a year for now, you know, I'll hit them up. Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm actually good friends with a lot of my ex-employees now. Yeah. We actually realize after time goes on, hey, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, Alan, or Alan stood for the right things or Alan didn't drop the ball on anything. But it took time for people to realize that. Yeah. I mean, I've got two ex-wives right now. And we're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep collecting. Yeah. Keep collecting. <laughs> Um, have you ever thought about selling your practice? Many times. And then with this new thing that just happened, I realized, you know, if I am to sell it, I, I, I am thinking I'm going to work it out with my employees. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be done sooner than they will. Um, and whether it's because of health reasons or because, of uh, you know, just life transitions and things. I mean, I'm I'm definitely gonna have to focus elsewhere. I mean, I'm my my son's getting married. He might we, I might have some grandkids. I I, I definitely want to look at what the next chapter of my life is gonna look like, right? Um, I and I don't know. I didn't tell you. I'm I'm engaged again to be married. Yeah, third I, time's I, a charm. Yeah. <laughs> third time's yeah. charm. And so uh, you know, it's uh, it, so my my thing is my my life's transitioning once once again. Yeah. But with all these changes, I realized how much I love treating patients. Yeah. Your daughter, is she a physical therapist? My daughter is a chemical engineer. She works for uh, Big Pharma. Oh, she yeah. went, but she went to Berkeley. She went to Berkeley, and then she did something else. Okay. Yeah, so right. she's uh, she actually lives in the East Coast, but she um, might be coming back. Yeah. She might be coming back yeah. here. Okay. So I, for, for a moment, I was thinking, like, did she go to PT? None of my kids, none of my kids followed my uh, yeah. my path, and that and that's okay too. You know, that's that's like the other thing. I, was out there, weren't they? I know they're like they're they're adults now, and they're they're somewhat functional. <laughs> they're not living at home. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, so not if now. If they're not living at home, they can 
Well, I live, I live with my mom. That's when the yeah. date's not going well. You know, I live with my mom. When the date's going well, I, I live in my farmhouse in my vineyard. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I think um, there was uh, one other thing I want to ask you about uh, before we kind of wrap up. You, I mean, you. We talked about this already, and this is what you're saying. You've you're at the end stage of building wealth, right? Can you talk about some of the things that you did early on to start building wealth, and why is it important for us to, you know, like, like what is wealth versus just like a paycheck and the, or the money in the bank and why is it important for us to do it? And what are some of the things that you did to get started? Well, you're, you're talking to a guy who likes to make money and spend it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I'm like Mr. Saver at all. Um, I, but that said, everything that you do, including your home is an investment. You know, if you if you take good care of your house, it'll sell when you time if you have to sell it, it'll sell well because it's been well maintained. Um, if you and that's what I do. I have a my farmhouse and place up in uh, Talmadge. I put so much money into really, really making it nicer than it ever was. And the previous owner and I are still friends and he comes back and goes, wow, look what what you did. And I'm building on the foundation that previous owner had put in. The guy was a master craftsman. Now if you have a business, it's the same thing. Make your business, put all the money back in your business and make it really, really good. So if you have to sell it, it's in great shape. Yeah. And the same thing I, with my cars and everything I own, I always try to make it really, make, put, make sure they're in great shape, well-maintained. So if I have to sell it, 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 it goes to, a, you know, the next owner will be really grateful that they got something that was in great shape. So um, that's one way I, I, I move my money around. Um, and of course, investing. Some people invested in stocks and they've done very, very well, especially if you invested way early on. Like, let's say your timing just happens to be good and not everybody's timing is great. But if let's say you had money and when things tanked after like, you know, March of 2020, you bought all the stock, you'd be five times richer now. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's, but how would anybody know, right? You have to have money set aside. You'd have to really believe in doing those kinds of things. Um, uh, so the stock market's always good. Uh, always plunk money in your 401k. If you got a 401k plan, we have a 4% matching plan at the clinic. That's another kind of way to rewarding our employees. And so dump money in that. So, um, you know, we, you, 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 as, as minute, much as you can save, save and invest And in, you know, 401k is kind of an investment. Um, a home is an investment. And I'll tell you, it's been really tough for my employees in the Bay area. I mean, those, you had a three bedroom, two bath house with you know five thousand square foot lot for one point two million, and then it goes up to one point five after the bidding war. Yeah. So it, I mean, your house poor. You know, you put all your money into the house, and you can't even buy a new toilet when you're done because you're putting so much money on the the mortgage itself. So that's, that's well, that's why you know my, my my practice. Someone says, "Oh, why don't you expand?" I said, "There's no such thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to circle circle the wagons." make get, have as much money for my employees to be able to not just survive but thrive a little bit but you know in the long run if they, if, they, if they're making they're making multi-millionaires every day in the bay area because of all the uh the, you know the um dot com stuff that's still going on right. so every time there's a big stock you know, you know i i you know uh, uh initial public offering 
your your the receptionist makes five million dollars at, at the at the startup and and then they and they're more than happy to stick another two hundred thousand dollars down on a house to beat you know beat everybody else out yeah so it, it, i know the bay area is a lot different than when i was there uh working with you you know because it was so much different when i was there working with you than it was when i had lived there um eight eight years prior six years prior to that yeah, my whole block uh, where my mom lives is being basically bought up by every single person who works at Google and Facebook and you name it right now. And they spend, you know, another quarter of a million dollars redoing the entire house before they move in. So, I mean, it's great for the neighborhood, right? But I was like, wow. And my mom's property since she bought it in the 1970s has probably gone up 2,000%, just out more than that even probably like 3000. This is stupid. It's stupid, crazy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what do you do? Right. I mean, you, you, you I'm, I'm okay. You moving out here to retire and buy a house down the street for me for, you know, half, half a million. <laughs> yeah, really. you know, get like 6,000 square feet. <laughs> I, I think I, 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 I might try to get something in on this Island, Kauai, cause at least the air is not bad. Right. So, I don't know if I could, if I could afford it, get something here and then fly back and forth and rent the house out the rest of the time and yeah. go back and forth when this wildfires are bad, I'll just come over here. But it, it, it's this weird thing where I have to figure out, you know, what, what am I going to do, you know, for the future? What's, what's my, yeah. what's, what's my happy ending going to look like. Right. Yeah. Do you know and, what the um, next five years look like? Next five years will be work. I'll be working to try to set up the business so that, um, whoever is working with me, who wants to inherit the business yeah. will not sabotage it in one month. Right. Cause remember we talked about leadership, yeah. right? And if they're trying to lead it in a way that's selfish and it's not following my philosophy, th those people will, they'll, they'll find another place to work because mm -hmm. sure. the people remaining will have homes. And if you have a house in the Bay area, people will be able to hire you from somebody else because at least you could stay there. I mean, that's the other thing. So they have to, even if they can't, if, they, if, if it's not in their inherent nature to be kind and generous, they better learn really fast to fake it well. Yeah. Because that's the only way you could lead in the Bay Area from here on out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, man. What do you think, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> I do know, but I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask what is our industry as physical therapists like? What do we need? I mean, because like, you know, like, what do we need to do to change to be like? Why aren't we part of the conversation on NPR when they're talking about opioids? I mean, what what is it we actually need to do to like do something different as our industry, as in us as individuals? Um, you know, what do you see for like the future of our profession? Because PT is getting out of school right now, are like two hundred thousand dollars in debt, and they're like, I can't go somewhere and earn eighty thousand dollars and pay this off. You know, yeah, we need we need probably more Aaron LeBowers. Thank you. Outspoken, you know, you got to get out there and talk. Most PTs aren't into sitting there. They just want to be a PT and actually, honestly, most collect a check and they don't want to make any waves. And <clears throat> I'll, I'll give you an example. I was at a John Muir doctor meeting. I was invited along with everybody, all the doctors. Mm -hmm. Guess how many PTs showed up? You and me and me and me that's all there was 150 doctors in the room and one physical therapist and what were they talking about opioids and using physical therapy instead of opioids mm -hmm. and they said how great our how great the physical therapy literature was 
these guys know how to write papers. And, they, and, and he pointed at me, he, goes, he, goes, I, he knew I was the only physical therapist in the crowd, and he, and he goes, we should be sending everybody to you and screw, screw this drug thing because we're just screwing up all our patients. And the reason why the doctors got corralled into this thing, the doctors were actually punished. The board would punish them for not prescribing enough opioids. Wow. So they had the doctors coming and going. I didn't even know this. So you can't blame the doctors. And then the doctor's saying, I'm, one doctor says, I'm going to quit. This is too much. <clears throat> One thing I'm, you're, you're telling me that I have to prescribe. And the next thing, we're going to get in trouble if we prescribe. And I went up to her directly. I said, do not quit. We need doctors like you because you have a conscience. So do not quit. And so I realized that you know, we have a voice too and that people respect. We are getting a lot of respect now, finally. But we have to ask for that respect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm, ver- I'm very collegial with many of my doctor friends. We, we work together on everything. So, um, but I've been, I'm old as you know what, <laughs> I won't say it on your podcast. <laughs> so I could, I could say and do what I want. And you know what, um, I'm still respectful and, you know, you have a, if I have a name in the community, I'll use that continuously and, and really, really try hard to make sure that, um, the community knows I'm, I'm still involved and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my game. That's so great. best marketing is great job, right? Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. Let truly your is. Results speak for yourself, hopefully. But we yeah, and the happy let, patients. Yeah, yeah. Happy, happy patients. We have to only we can let it speak for itself, but we have to actually like not be afraid to shout it about it too. Yeah, and it depends. I mean, we I want to grow in reputation always, but there's a certain point where I can't work 80 hours a week anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing is I'm 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 spread thin. I'm also taking care of my. Remember my mom? Yeah. You know, she's 88 now, and she's got you know she's got a little little forgetful so i'm living with her part-time and then i live with uh, annie and uh, her mom up at north so i go back and forth so i have a very busy life but ultimately i wouldn't have it any other way aaron you know me that's awesome i know <laughs> i know you're 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 um a different person than most but you know I'm so gonna... are you so are you so we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're keep praising each other <laughs> that's awesome um Alan, uh for anyone listening, is there anything else that like I didn't ask you about, or that you think is important for someone else who's a uh, physical therapy business owner uh, that they should know about? Don't get distracted with the financial part of it too much. I mean, that's what happens. I think when I went off went off target is because the money became more important than the patient, um, and I think uh, that happened for about a year, and that really threw me off. Um, so you got to be true to yourself. Be secure with who you are and what you represent. Uh, I know it sounds trite, honestly, but if you could stick to that, you'll be fine. But if you start to lose your mojo about yourself and your confidence, then it, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's doom, just doom. So believe in yourself. And I know that sounds like, eh, yeah, everybody says that, but no, you, you actually have to practice that and then you'll be fine. Well, you do, I mean, look at you. So there you go, Thanks. right? Yeah. I mean. You know, I think for me, it was just sharing what I know and not being afraid to speak up and ask questions and challenge, you know, the authority. <laughs> really good. That's not. But you're the authority now. Well, maybe now. <laughs> hey, challenge yourself. You. <laughs> I have to do that sometimes. I have to challenge you know, we all challenges have to. Me the, mo- the best person is Andra, my wife. Oh, well, so she's amazing. Yeah. Everybody should have a, a wife like her. I know. Well, there's only one of her and I get to keep her. So <laughs> well, that's why you're lucky. You're fortunate. I had to keep swapping. <laughs> <laughs>
Dude, um, it's been so awesome having you on the show. If someone wants to learn more about like uh, your business or something, like if, if there's a student listening, they're like, oh, I want to go to the Bay Area, or other PTs want to check out your practice, or someone wants to check out what you're doing, you know, in your spare time, you know, what's the best place for them to come find you online? Uh, they should just. Uh, here's my Gmail. It's at a l l e n l l i n g six one at Gmail. That's Alan L Ling six one at Gmail, and they could they could just email and say, "Hey, uh, I'm I listen to your podcast at Labour. It could be the title, and then and I can I respond. I know if I don't respond within a week, I'm dead. If I don't respond, typically I'm good about twenty four hour response time. So yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and uh, it's um, I just want to I want to shout you out. The business is PT Innovations in in El Cerrito. No lot you so you don't have the Orinda or Oakland location anymore. Oakland is still on life support right now, mm -hmm. but it, it's there's a lot. There were so many transitions going on, and now people are uh, unfortunately getting held up at gunpoint in Oakland. Oh, so my okay. thing is, I, I want to just not at, not in the patients, but we're just, it's just, it's Chinatown and it's moving. I just don't like the being it's kind of exposing my staff or patients to that kind of thing, and we're going to bug out. Yeah, it's just. Uh, yeah. I can yeah. see you have the dopest dojo over there. I know it's pretty cool. Well, the the dojo's still cranking. They're still yeah. working out there. Okay. So, but you know, like I said, every it run, it, lots of things run its course. Mm -hmm. And when it's done, you know, you got to know when to. We got to know when to quit. Yeah. Also. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh, and it's Gen. Was it Gen Seven Comics? Comics. Com? Yeah, yeah. And so, but the, you know, better, the, better the, close the, your eyes. Some of them are, are triple X comic books. So uh, not safe for work. <laughs> not safe to open up at work or if you if you have your own that's the thing about being your own boss you can open them up at work <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to at work yeah exactly <laughs> just shut the door <laughs> don't let everyone look over your shoulder or yeah. have it on the background in zoom <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah don't project it on the screen <laughs> by accident um okay uh, Alan, thanks so much for being here. Dude, this is awesome. I'm looking forward to actually seeing you in person sometime soon. I think as soon as we get uh, Elena vaccinated, then our travel opens up a lot and we are we're due for a California visit. I, I can't wait to see your, your kids and how much they've grown. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, right, lo I love you, Aaron. I love you. And, you know, I miss you. Always thinking about you. And I, I thank you for having me on your show, man. Absolutely, man. Love you too. And uh, <laughs> hey guys, this is the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. Um, this was an interesting episode, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, if you got anything out of this show, if you picked up even one helpful thing, I'd love to know about it. So do me a favor, um, go to Instagram. You could like screenshot this you know, show on your phone, whether it's YouTube or um, iTunes or wherever you're listening. But uh, throw up an Instagram story, tag me. Um, I'll make sure Alan sees it. I think you're, are you on Instagram? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. So you can try to tag Alan, but just let me know what you learned. Like, what is the one thing that you picked up? Um, because I'd love to know some feedback. And you know what? You could even leave a five-star rating review on iTunes and just drop in, hey, Aaron, this is what I uh, learned from your show. I totally appreciate that. Appreciate hearing from you guys. And we'll see you on the next episode. Get out there, lead from the front, and uh, you know, build your wealth and uh, keep on trucking. We'll talk to you soon.
Hey, what's up, it's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice, or you already have one, and you wanna learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint because I wanna get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I wanna give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E. P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.